Yo, what's up? It's your girl, Father Longlegs. You know me, Daddy T. Yeah, otherwise known as the good tea of the East, the wicked bitch of the yes. This is You Can Tell Me Anything, an all-new season, season five. New guests, new episodes, new me, new you. I can't wait to get you on board. We've got some awesome episodes coming up. And we're starting out with one of my favorite people. She was the founder of the hashtag Free Britney movement, so you may have heard of her. Um, she's obviously a very funny comedian. Can't wait for you to listen. Before we get into the episode, just want to make a couple quick announcements, and I mean quick. I will keep it brief, okay? If you're listening to this on the day it comes out, you are lucky because my crowdfunding campaign is still online, so you can go check out the short film I'm directing at feedandspark.com slash fund slash getloved, or just go to my Instagram at Teresa Lee Bot or the film's Instagram at getlovedfilm. Truly, truly, it means the world to me that the confidants have been so supportive. Um, You know, you can support it other ways by sharing, by just saying hi and letting me know, like, good job, because truly, validation, I need it, you need it, you know? I'll hype you up. Even if you don't have any money to spare, do not worry, okay? We are all in different positions. Um, I really just want to spread the word, and, you know, I want to the whole point of making this short is I want to get the story out there, but it's all about wanting to be heard and seen, and um, from, especially from points of views that don't often get seen in a corporate, you know, capitalist way. All that being said, it is a comedy, so if you want to know more about the film, oop, there goes my dog. If you want to know more about the film, you can go to the Seed and Spark page at seedandspark.com slash fund slash get loved. Okay, um, the premise is a woman treats a yogurt marketing group as group therapy and gets way too personal okay starring vanessa gonzalez very fun i am currently seeking funding trying to get that shit made all right so i would love your support and love your help getting the word out and then i'll also be in new york city okay i'm currently in new york city when you're listening to this which means you can catch me doing shows in the city if you live there Go to my shows, TeresaLeeComedy.com slash shows. Obviously, stay safe if you're feeling, I mean, wow, stay home if you're feeling sick. We want you to be safe. Please get vaccinated if you're not already at this point. It's like, get vaxxed, come laugh, you know, have a good time. Also, just be, use your common sense, all right? Um, check updates, of course, because I will be following all the city rules. So, you know, shows, if they get canceled due to COVID or other restrictions, um, we will be following that as well. But otherwise, I do post my updated shows on my website. And give me a shout if you're coming, okay? I recently a confidant messaged me and said they saw me on the streets in Philly, okay? But she literally said, I saw you walk by. And I'm like, man, just say hi. You say hi. I mean, yes, I know sometimes I look like a mess and you don't want to shatter your illusion of my beautiful face. I'm just kidding. No, I don't think I was wearing makeup. But just say hi. I mean, if you want, you don't have to. But honestly, I love to see y'all in the wild. So that's all for the announcements. Enjoy this episode with Tess Barker. You can tell her, you can tell her anything, she's a real good listener, you can tell her anything. Yo, what's up, it's your girl, Father Longlegs, you know me, Daddy T, this is You Can Tell Me Anything, where I have comedians confess something they want to get off their chest, um, and I'm very excited to have my first guest of the season this is season five and wow what a season it's been for this guest okay she is a podcast host of her own a vet in fact from lady to lady to britney's gram to toxic yep uh she is the co-host of the britney spears documentary podcast series called toxic which 
if you guys are under a rock you don't know about the free britney movement i'm sure you all do it's comedian tessa barker what's up hello how are you so i like feel like i was like negging the audience <laughs> no let's give them some credit they probably know all about free brit i'm sure <laughs> they audience do is, is with it i think i think they are it's so it's funny because i remember um we did a show oh it's not even a show we did this laugh it's still laughing like background thing I, oh, do you yes. know what I'm okay. yes, like for yes, people yes. <laughs> there's no way to explain it besides we thought we were being booked for like doing like more comedic lines and it was like yes. to be fair nobody's true mistake like the writer who recommended us <laughs> friend who worked on the show who I don't think she was aware of what it was gonna be but it ended up <laughs> basically being a bunch of like comedians in a green room who were booked as background and like and I'm, you know, whatever. I, I, I would say I probably had the least credits of everyone, so I was like happy to be here. But you know, there, I just remember how upset everyone was to be there. But I remember that day because you were talking about the Free Britney movement pre this episode with Britney's Graham. Like you were telling us about the conservatorship, and so that takes me way back because that was like the first time I was introduced to it, and then to watch the whole thing unfold was really surreal. That's right. I think that was about a month before we released the Britney, the free Britney, Britney Scram episode because it was like when things were really starting to heat up. Yeah, because you were talking about going. I think you had not gone to the court hearing yet, but you were about to or something. It was like the week before or something. Yeah, I, I think I had gone to one, but we had just dropped an episode where like her conservator had uh, quit like abruptly. And that was when it was like, oh, my God, what is going on here? Yeah. But look, I still get residuals from that show, and you do. <laughs> you know what? It, it's been. I, I've come to love that show during the pandemic because I was like, "Who's watching this?" Somebody is because they send like Thank you. tiny little residuals. But thanks for watching. Um, well, Tess, before we get too far, I like to start by asking my guests for a good confession, just for the listeners to get to know you. Is there something good you'd like to confess? Um. Sure. I just finally found the perfect pair of gold hoop earrings, which I am not wearing right now because I'm wearing headphones, but it's something that I had like a hair up my ass for like six months because I just like really wanted to find the perfect ones, the right size, the everything. And I did it. I got them as a gift for myself for finishing Toxic. And, Congrats. Uh, That's such a good them. gift. I can't help but think of um, the Mean Girls reference, um, the white gold hoops. And you know what? I, I love that for you. Um, it is a tough to find perfect hoops. I mean, I always end up going the cheap route and just getting the ones that will like rust and break because I lose shit. But yeah. truly, you know, it's this, getting the right size and the weight and everything. It's harder than it seems. Exactly. Because I am a kind of a hoe and I do like a big hoop. Um, but those can get painful. True. That I wonder if there's a start. There's got to be that. I feel like that's the next big tech startup is... Um, customizable hoops like that shouldn't be too tough you have like 3d printing now you know what right. somebody business people out there you know hit me up i want 50 percent. you can customize the weight the feel just boom printable hoops exactly, exactly. um well <laughs> besides our wonderful business venture um this podcast was sort of started i started because i started going to therapy late and for me it was really um, life-changing just like inspired by just being able to talk freely and having like a safe space obviously it's comedic so we don't have to get too serious but I do like to start by asking guests since everyone has such a different experience with like who you confide in or like 
whether you do go to therapy or don't. So just generally speaking, like, do you have like a process for, you know, when you have to talk to somebody, do you go to therapy? Do you have like a confidant? What's your um, sort of self-care routine in that sense? Yeah, I mean, I've been to therapy in the past. I'm not in therapy right now. Uh, thanks, American Healthcare. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, I definitely, I process things a lot. Um, I'm like a very physical person. So I process things a lot like through exercise. Like I find it really helpful to like just go inward and like go on a run or practice yoga or meditate and things like that. So that's kind of how I do shit on my own. And then I have like a lot of you know, my husband and my sister and a lot of girlfriends that I talk things out with. That's great. Yeah, and I imagine just hosting so many podcasts, it's like, you probably do want to bottle some things up. <laughs> Something? God. <laughs> it wouldn't be a bad idea, that's for sure. I feel like I, when I don't, like, I, I don't go to therapy as much now as when I first started going, but I have, like, a healthy relationship with my therapist. But there are times when I'm like, I feel like doing podcasts become I don't like unload on guests or when I'm a guest, but just the sense of like being able to untangle thoughts, you know, in a kind of long form way. It's been really interesting. Um, Yeah. Are you currently hosting? So you have, you you guys are not doing Britney's Gram anymore, are you? No, right now just lady to lady. uh, But yeah, other things, cooking up other things for the future. So many things. (laughs) Um, I think, I don't know if you remember doing like a show in the Bay Area, like you and Brandy, I think. It was, I don't think Babs came, but when I first moved from New York to LA, I like stopped in the Bay where my family is. And I think it was the first show I ever did in San Francisco at Cynic Cave. And you and Brandy we're doing like a lady to lady show and I uh, opened for you guys. And I remember you told yes. this really, really funny story about um, needing to pee on the highway. <laughs> it made me laugh so much. So I don't know if I've ever told you that in person. Cause now that we sort of know each other through comedy, I've like connected the dots. Cause that was before we had officially met. And I just remember yeah, like, yeah. Oh, that was so funny. Like she's so funny. Ah, I do remember you from that show. Cause I, you, I clocked you right away because you're a Teresa that spells it the same way as me. Oh, yeah. Oh, right. Because you go by mm-hmm. Teresa. That's so interesting because I, um, my dad used to want to call me Terry and I felt weird about it. But I don't really meet a lot of Teresas who spell it the way I do. And um, I've come to like enjoy or like, you know, feel like I identify with that name now. But for a long time, I would want to try to find fake nicknames. Like at one point when I was in elementary school, I was like calling myself Savannah. Like, I don't Oh, I just really wanted a different name because all the like popular girl names were like you know Courtney and Katie Lauren and yeah Heather I know I had the same struggle Uh, Teresa is just not really a name for a child (laughs) (laughs) when did you get um start going by Tess my best friend I had the same thing I was like trying so I was throwing everything against the wall um I was at one point I tried to get people to call me seven seven uh, like six on blossom uh okay but my um my best friend to make fun of me called me Tessa Roxy Bertha Gertrude Mildred Esther Fardad Raul like she thought that was funny and then she shortened that to Tess and then everyone just started calling me that and I started like writing it on my homework and stuff Oh, I love that. I wonder, yeah, I wonder if the next generation is going to have, like, if that's uh, almost like an out-of-date reference of making nicknames, because with avatars and handles, I feel like they have the power to just create their own identities from such a young age. But that was Mm -hmm. a big thing, just drawing, like, creating your own signature, 
figuring out like you know what to call your clique I mean I'm gonna sound so old I really I think I'm like young when I talk about what it was like being young and I'm like this is like when parents are like oh you're wearing your beach thongs to the like and I'm like what the exactly. fuck are you talking about I know <laughs> like kids don't even know what CDs are anymore <sighs> It's truly sad. I remember waiting in line for CDs. Okay, this isn't a nostalgia podcast. I'm young. I'm hip. Clearly, okay. Um, we're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to get Tessa's confession. And we're back. Tess, the time has come. Is there anything you'd like to tell me? Yes, sure. Um, so I did not graduate junior high. Oh, okay. Um, what do you, okay, I have questions. So you did not graduate (laughs) as in like sneaky, sneaky, or you dropped out, or Um, did you continue into high school? (laughs) Obviously. They let me continue into high school, which I do want to just let, if you have any listeners in junior high, I do just want to let them know that it doesn't matter. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so was this an intentional choice? Yes and no. So essentially, I was like, an insane class clown in seventh and eighth grade, like extremely disruptive, very <laughs> annoying child, just constantly looking for attention. And because of that, I got suspended like all the time. What like, kind of regu- stuff did you do? Cause that suspension sounds very serious. <laughs> you know what? And like in retrospect as an adult, I'll tell you the stuff I did was pretty crazy, but like, I also feel like I was kind of targeted. Like I became kind of like known as like the bad kid. And it wasn't even like, I wasn't even, like, smoking cigarettes or doing anything like that. I was just constantly looking for attention, you know? So I became kind of known as, like, the disruptive kid. And so then I started getting suspended for things that I don't even think were, like, suspension-worthy offenses. But a couple things I did. Uh, There was one time where I was known for kind of, like, talking a lot in my math class with one of my girlfriends, who I'm still friends with. Uh, and so we friendship came at last suspension. So. That's the other important lesson. Yes. <laughs> uh, but we walked into our math class and uh, we immediately got kicked out for talking. He was like, Barker, Murphy, get out of here. And so we jammed our pencils into the doorknob of the classroom and broke them and, and broke them off. So the lead jammed the lock oh, and, no. and the teacher and all the kids were stuck inside the classroom. Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty funny. I mean, when you think about it from an adult point of view, it's like, that's damaging. But, like, children don't know that. That's an adult's problem for, you know, not putting money into giving the kids what they need, which is attention and resources, and instead focusing on damaging building property. Right. And, like, why was the building so poorly built that a pencil (laughs) was able to take it down? Yeah, how is that supposed to make you guys feel secure against actual outside invaders if students can lock you in? Exactly. So that was really funny. And then we didn't leave. We we, we sat there and, like, like we weren't old enough to know that, like, you could just ditch the campus. Like, Uh we sat there laughing at everyone stuck inside until the principal came and hauled us off um wait so what this teacher just said like get out and just yeah like, i'm not supervising you you're done yeah like that happened a lot when i was in junior high like oh all my time, like i i've always been like a really avid reader like i love reading and i love talking about books and like my one english teacher was such a bitch like i was genuinely always really excited to talk about whatever book we were reading and she uh-huh. was just i was more engaged than like most of the kids in the class and she would I still remember her saying this so often. She would go, Tess, 
I see you, but I choose to ignore you. Wow, that is a bitchy thing to say to a child. I mean, like, generally speaking, I know kids are annoying, (laughs) broadly, you know, but like, if you're, I mean, I I relate to this heavily, because I talk a lot, and I was a nerd, and I loved to talk about things I learned, but uh, truly, like, (laughs) that's, like, discouraging if you're excited. Yeah, and then, like, that same shitty teacher, I don't know why we were doing Van Gogh stuff in English class, but I did, um, (laughs) you know... (laughs) Do you know, like, that that grid method where you, like, break something up into a grid and then can copy it? Like, blow it? Oh, like, oh, okay, yes. Uh, like, draw, like, tracing paper, that kind of thing? Kind of. It's like you can make a bigger version of something because you take the original image and you break it up into, like, a grid. And, and then, then you make, you make uh, a bigger grid. And then you can just, you instead of doing the whole painting, you just do whatever's in each little square. Gotcha. So I mean, I wasn't yeah. an artist. I can visualize what you're saying, yes. Okay. So I did Starry Starry Night on this, like, huge piece of poster board. And it was, like, that's a really challenging – I did it with crayon. Uh-huh. And, and like, like, every single stroke I did with crayon. And, like, over the course of doing it, I got better at it. So, like, it what didn't look as good on, like, the left side as it did in the end. And that bitch gave me a C because <gasps> she thought I did the opposite. She thought I got lazy at the what? end. This is the kind of stuff my teachers would do. It sounds like you were very self-aware, though, to understand that. Because I'm not saying that, like, she's not, um, you know, doing a shitty job for judging you like that. But it sounds like you were aware of it. Was that true? Or was this more in, like, reflection as an adult? No, I was totally aware of it. Yeah, I was like, this is totally unjust. I was like, this was a really challenging piece. I learned in the process, like, how to get better at it. And you're not giving me the benefit of the doubt. That's a, were you ever um, like called a know-it-all by teachers? Like, is was it coming no. from them not feeling like like almost feeling challenged by you? Maybe I, that's probably what was actually going on. But I was really made to feel like I was like a and I was a behavior problem. Because the other <laughs> funny the other funny like part of this story that kind of karmically ends up working out is that after college I ended up being a substitute teacher. Okay. Um, and many, many junior high children made me cry. Uh, so, yeah, I was I was an obnoxious kid, but I was really made to feel like any of my enthusiasm about anything was just, like, problem. Like, no one was like, oh, this is a kid who, like, is really engaged and probably just bored. Yeah. I was just bored. You, know? you were bored. You had energy, and that's how children are. There's, like, a way to, like, transmute that energy. I'm not saying, like, it's totally no responsibility of uh, a behavioral. Because I'm sure when you're, like, encouraged by other kids and you get reputations like sometimes it's nice to be like even if you're the quote-unquote bad kid and you're known for that like sometimes you lean into it because you're like well I guess I'll be that because I now I have an identity definitely I mean yeah and it became my whole identity and I loved it because I did like I had a huge I mean it's probably like the beginning of doing comedy because I I every day I'd be like what am I gonna do for my people today oh my god What are so were you like planning stunts? You were like pre um who's that YouTuber who always does Mr. Beast? You were like the OG like on the streets Mr. Beast. Yeah, I was always planning stunts. Um I did another stunt that I got suspended for was uh my social studies class was in the same room as home economics. So it was like there were like little kitchens kind of built uh, into the classroom. Oh boy. And while my teacher was talking, she had a sombrero in one of the kitchens. So I put it on, and then I stood up on the kitchen counters, and I started doing, like, a little, like, oh my God. like shimmy dance. And so for a while, like, only the kids could see me and not the teacher. 
That just sounds fun. Also, you got suspended for that? That's harsh. Thank you. Exactly. Exactly. What were, I mean, I don't know. Well, so you grew up, I, you went to school in SoCal. And so mm -hmm. I don't know if it's just like more strict there. Was it a private school or? No, it was totally public. Yeah. Nice. Wow. And, and yeah. um, were your parents involved? Like, did they have to like come in and talk to the teacher? Or was it kind of like, well, yes. you know, she didn't do anything that bad and she's getting good grades or whatever? So, it, the other thing, partly party, part of the other reason I was, like, acting out so much is, like, my parents were actively getting divorced while I was in junior Copy. high. okay. Um, so, it was kind of funny because my mom, my poor mom, who was, like, the way, 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 way more responsible parent, was, like, really upset about it and, like, oh, my God, what do I do with her? Do I send her to boarding school? Like, I was really treated like a real problem child. Um, but then my dad thought it was like hilarious like was totally like every time he was the one that picked me up he would just be like oh man fuck that teacher sure, like, <laughs> yeah, like they just <laughs> did you ever feel um like i'm sure subconsciously when children act out especially when their parents you know are there's unstable or uncertainties i'm sure it's all related but it sounds like you were i, I guess my question is like were you trying to get attention from them or was it kind of just generally like trying to feel more in control of your life like did you feel un the, the connection between them was threatening your, like, stability at school? No, I think I, it probably came mostly from a place, honestly, of, like, everyone kind of knew my parents were getting divorced, and then also my uh, cousin died when I was in eighth grade. Oh, so, thank you. Um, so I was kind of, I think, really cognizant of, like, people feeling sorry for me. And so I think it kind of came from a place of, like, I'm going to go the opposite direction. Like, I don't want anyone to feel sorry for me. I'm just going to be really funny. Oh, wow. You you literally transmuted that energy. Because if you it's almost like people were already eyes on you. But it wasn't exactly. the attention you wanted. So then you were like, well, let me give them a show. And then you're like, now it's nice. And then you're, like, hooked on the good attention. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah it, it was definitely, definitely like, like, deflection, like, like trying, trying to get, get people to, like, look somewhere else, else I think. Oh, wow. So how did this translate into not graduating? Were you given, like, warnings, or you kind of just at one point just gave up and your goal was just to entertain? Or, I mean, like, how, yeah. did, how did that transition happen? I mean, they fucked up pretty bad because I think I was made aware at least a month or two before graduation um, that I wasn't going to be allowed to participate. And this is the other funny thing. I actually, again, like, academically, I was doing fine, so I actually technically graduated with honors. Like my name was on the list of kids graduating with honors, but I wasn't allowed to walk in the ceremony. So it was really all bets are off. Like once they told me that, like I, and then I really <laughs> took it to the next level. Like, well, this means nothing. So fuck you. This, okay. Yeah. This super checks out. Like it's funny. Cause I think in comedy, like you'll kind of know people through their stand up, but then also you just kind of get vibes. And even though we haven't hung out that much one-on-one, -on -one, I'm like, this totally checks out for you. Like, because there's so many, th like, just my first impression of, like, you're a very high-energy bubble. You always try hard if you know it's because you want to learn, but you're not going to do it on other people's terms. So all of that checks out. Like, you're not following the rules because you're scared of authority. You just genuinely no. liked doing well in school for the classes you did well in. And then you were like, but also, I'm going to do so well, I'm going to keep talking over you because I'm bored now. And exactly. then... <laughs> exactly. And then that was kind of like a secret weapon too because it was like, I think that was my way, like doing well academically was kind of my way of getting back at the teachers because it was like, fuck you. Okay, yeah, you're not going to ruin school. my future. Yeah. <laughs> 
Damn, that's so, that is so self-aware and like very visionary. And honestly, I feel like, I think things have changed, but when I think about how school was in the 90s, it was very like binary in that way. Like, cause I I got diagnosed as an adult with ADHD, but when I went in to get tested, she was like, it's very obvious you have it. Like when I did the test, but she was like, you probably didn't ever get flagged because you were doing well in school. Like as much as I struggled and I would fall asleep in class, I would literally just like all of the signs, but my grades would stay up. But it was always just like, I don't want to say it was a struggle in that like it was hard to learn. Like I like to learn, but just all the habits around studying, around being focused, everything always felt like I had to like really like button it down to get the A. But once I did, it would be good. And I just like flew through under the radar because it's such a binary culture where they're like well if you don't if you're not below average there's nothing wrong with you as opposed to being like hey maybe like every kid is a unique independent person with different needs it's not just like one measuring system well like once you become an adult you're allowed to pursue whatever like professional path you want right so you can kind of find like a work schedule and a way of working that works for you but like yeah, with kids, they're just – I assume this is still happening in schools. They kind of just have, like, a round hole, and whatever shape your peg is, like, you're just supposed to get fit in it. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. And you also have um, worked in journal, or you, you are a journalist, but outside of comedy, you've done investigative journalism, even pre this Free Britney stuff. And this, to me, kind of checks out in that very, like, active mind energy sense because – if you like to entertain, you also like to research and learn and know. So I'm curious how your like career path took you into that. Um, were you, I know you're a writer, but were you doing all that together at once, just like juggling everything? Or did you sort of go from one into another, or the other? Yeah, I was sort of juggling everything. I mean, the way I got into journalism, I mean, I've always been like a pretty uh, avid like news reader. I've always liked to read the paper and stuff like that. Um, But I actually had like a friend through comedy who was working at MTV News and who was just like, hey, do you want a job? And I was just like, yeah, I need a job. (laughs) So he he hired me at MTV News and I figured out like pretty quickly that I enjoyed doing sort of editorial stuff and Um, I think just as a function of like, because I was on staff, I just constantly needed to be writing stuff. And so I'm just like a curious person. And so I started to do sort of more and more kind of investigative stuff there. But I I don't know. I like doing like more kind of like personal narrative. I don't know. I I guess I've like run a pretty wide gamut of like media shit I like to do. But yeah, it was kind of just like an accident. Like I just kind of like got a job at MTV News and started pitching kind of more investigative things. Because I think it is that thing of like, it's easier for me to do a job where I'm like killing myself than to do one that I find boring. Like I can't do something I find boring. So I think it was just like a way for me to like up the stakes and like keep work interesting for myself. That makes sense. I mean, in a way it is just like you, you have so much energy, but if it's, you're putting in the wrong thing, it's actually going to, it's almost like it's bouncing back to you. Right. It's like, I don't know how ions work, but I imagine that's like negative, positive charges. Like it doesn't matter how strong a charge is. If it's, the wrong like charge negative positive it's going to bounce back but yes. if you can get it to go towards the right place it's like extremely powerful yes then it's like perfectly exerted and then you can actually relax at the end of the day like yeah I think it's kind of like it when a dog doesn't get enough exercise yeah oh my god I'm like that when I wake up and I just talk I'll wake up at 6 a.m my boyfriend will wake up like 10 or 11 sometimes and as soon as he oh, wakes wow. up yeah, I mean, he also, like, it's just, you know, whatever, especially if we're on the weekends. I don't think you have to wake up early, so it's not like he's being a bum, but, but, but I just... six on the weekend? Not on purpose. This is a pandemic 
new like post pandemic for some reason I wake up with the sun and it hasn't stopped so now I'm like I think that's just I can say safely that's a thing about me but it wasn't true before but yes I wake that's up cool though automatically <laughs> yeah now I like it because I never I don't have to I don't have to set alarms anymore and I take naps during the day so it's not like I'm awake for 12 hours but he'll wake up and I'll start talking at my pace which is fairly fast but not so fast that I think it's wild and he'll go oh my gosh it's literally five minutes into my day and you're talking at me I'm like oh yeah that's right well I've been awake for four hours <laughs> my mom used to do that to me when I was a teenager and it would drive me crazy she would come into my room at like 6 30 a.m and like as if we were in the middle of a conversation like she would wake me up with like did you make an appointment for the dentist yet where's your where's your book where's your shoes and I'm like mom what get out get out <laughs> I was just gonna ask about your like family dynamic do you guys are you all talkers like that too it sounds like your dad enjoys your sense of humor yeah, my whole family enjoys, we all have, like, the same sense of humor. Like, my brother and sister and I, we all have, like, a, the same laugh. So, it's, again, very off-putting, very obnoxious when we're all together. Uh, we all have, like, this really loud belly laugh. And, yeah, we're pretty, like, loud people. Definitely, yeah, I would say, like, pretty big talkers. Um, yeah, all kind of, like, uh, adrenaline junkies. Yeah. Oh, that's fun. I love families that like all speak the same language in that sense. You know, when even though I think from if someone's not used to that, they at first it might take a minute because, you know, I, I interrupt a lot. I'm trying to get better at it. But my family does it so much. Like, I think I'm the one in the family who's like worked on it more. When people are around us, they're like, oh, I see why you're like that. Like Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. In my family, it's like not even... It wouldn't be, it's not rude to interrupt someone because no one's even like clocking that they've been interrupted. Like yeah. that's just kind of, right? Is that how it is for you guys too? Like you just yeah. kind of are all on top of each other. You're like exchanging information and it's free flowing. So it's it's almost like, it's, it's like, now I'm just feel like I'm describing a circus where I'm like, we're acrobatics, we're throwing balls, we're catching balls everywhere, left and right. Um, man. Well, I mean, it sounds, I mean, obviously it's funny now looking back because you are doing what you want and you, what you love to do. But, um, what was like, did you ever like kind of quote unquote calm down or did you kind of just follow your authentic self and it, the world just adapted to you? Like what was high school like? <laughs> I kind of just followed my authentic self and the world adapted to me. I mean, yeah, I stayed kind of wacky in high school. Um, it, that kind of manifested itself in high school as like, the way that I dressed, I was a really like loud dresser. So I kind of became very like performative and like the outfits I would wear. Like there was one year where I only wore stuff that was neon orange and lime green. Okay. Like, oh, I had neon orange Doc Martens and like I used a cabbage patch suitcase instead of a backpack. Cabbage patch like, suitcase. I, was... <laughs> I love that. Um, and then like once I was in high school, um, I also just like from a learning perspective, I my sophomore year of high school, I started going to junior college at night. And during the summer and, like, before school, and I just found that that worked, like, way better for me than high school because I was like, oh, this is, like, college is a more appropriate atmosphere for my learning style because I can just choose the classes I want to take. And then, like, the teacher respects me and, like, P.S., I can smoke cigarettes here. So um... <laughs> That's <laughs> yeah, so interesting started... because you would think from an adult point of view, like, teaching a kid who can't focus, like, oh, you're going to have trouble in college. But in reality, you didn't have trouble learning or grasping concepts. You just didn't vibe with that learning style. And in college, when they just yeah. treat you, like, with respect, you don't feel like a need to act out because you're just like, oh, they expect me to do well, so I don't need to prove anything. I'll just sit yeah. here and do it. 
Like, I never felt like anyone was wasting my time in college. Like, in high school, I really felt like my – I was, like – I was very sensitive to just, like, busy work and things that didn't matter. And I was, like – and then once I started going to college, I was even – like, I would take, like, two or three classes at high school just for – I was such a weird – I only went to high school for social reasons. Like, I was a really social person. So I would go to high school for, like, two or three hours in the morning to, like, see my friends. And then I would go to college and, like – you know, if there was nothing to learn, class would be canceled. Or, like, I don't know, whatever we were doing, there was, like, a reason to do it. You were never, like, sitting in college doing a word cross. True. You know? It's not like – well, the other thing, I guess, because most of them are adults, and I imagine part of school is just babysitting. Like, that's, I think, what parents found out during the pandemic when they all had to yes. teach from home, and they're like, but actually that's not why we send our kids to school, just to learn. It's because we don't want them here while we're working. Like, a thousand <laughs> A thousand it's like, yeah, man. Um, well, that, I'm glad that you found your path that way. So, would you? Did you attend your graduation in junior high? Like, what? Yes. Oh, okay. I so, did. were you just standing there in the audience? Like, yeah. I knowing you and hearing how you were like back then, I imagine you did not quietly sit and do nothing. So, what was like? What was the stunt or what was the plan around that? Yeah. So, I had a couple stunts. Um, the first was there was a graduation dance. And I was like, I'm not missing the graduation dance. So I snuck into that and how I was able to stay in there. I'm still really proud of this. Um, <laughs> I would just dance with a boy to where they couldn't like the, <laughs> the adults couldn't see my face. Like I would just tell the boy, like hide my face. And then I would be like, okay, uh, dance me over to Charlie. And then oh, I would dance with like a different boy. Going. And I was able to hide my face the entire time by dancing with different boys. Wow, that's so sly. And also a very like slick way to dance with all the boys. Exactly. That's like, especially in middle school. I mean, like, you know, dance with whoever you want. But like, I feel like middle school, it's a flex just to be seen dancing with a boy. Like, it doesn't even matter if you like them. It's just like, look at me. Everyone's scared, but I'm not like. Exactly. Oh, do you remember like the beginning of those dances? Like everyone would be on opposite sides. And then it was like the first couple to go in the middle and do the. The, the arm dance. dance. Oh my god. I was I was like not slow dances were fine, but I was like a grinder. Like mm. you know, as growing up with you know, what's the too close and you know, Missy Ellie and all those songs, like and I genuinely was taught like I I was so far removed from like my, my parents are from Taiwan, so they didn't even have like that kind of dancing that I had had so much fun doing it. Like the shame and the part where you're like not supposed to be doing that kind of went over my head. So I was, like, grinding, like, real ratchet in middle school and yes. so fun. And, you know, I didn't really understand. Now I understand how genitals work. Uh, I didn't back then. Did you did you get a little too close to someone? <laughs> well, you know, I don't think it was a problem in middle school. And uh, all I really knew about boners in high school was more, like, from comedy, you know, like the way yeah. guys make fun of boners. Like, I – was a very late bloomer, so I wasn't, like, looking at dicks. I mean, I think by, like, junior or senior year, I had given hand jobs and stuff. But it wasn't, like, I don't know. I didn't connect, like, dirty dancing to, like, oh, we're going to fuck. Like, it, it's weird to say now because I am horrified. Like, I'd be horrified if I was grinding with anybody in public at a bar. Like, just, and someone got not, a boner. You don't dance dirty anymore? No, no, I do enjoy it, and I'll go with my friends. But I just mean, like, if someone got a boner and I was dancing oh. with them in public, and it was, a, like... It, it's a totally different mood, you know? It's, like, a, almost, like, either if they're a gentleman, they might be, like, you know, hey, I need a second or whatever, which is the right <laughs> thing to do. But if they're leaning into it, then it gets quickly <laughs> rated R. So I'm, like, as a kid, I think it was we all just, that wasn't even really, that was so far off from where 
we would be going. No, a hundred percent. It didn't matter. hundred percent. And like, did you ever go through that phase? Did you ever go out dancing at like 18 and over clubs? Oh, I tried so hard. I mean, there was a place in the Bay called like, I think it was called Glow. And it's so legendary at the time that people, just everyone who went would tell these stories. My mom probably did the right thing by not letting me go. But no, I was never allowed to go. One time I snuck out with my friends to try to go to a downtown like dance club in san jose and we were like majorly grew up by like 30 40 year olds and we just were like we gotta get out of here so we left yeah and we were like 16 so it's like no that i lived that as well no and i it's to your point like i don't remember like realizing it it was like as creepy as it was yeah like it was like i would just go out dancing with my like other cute girlfriends and we'd be like dancing all slutty and we was like oh why are all these people putting boners in our backs <laughs> like oh my god get out of here and like <laughs> It's like, ew, I just want to bend over and grab my ankles and twerk without a boner in my butt, okay? (laughs) Damn. So you didn't get kicked out. I didn't get kicked out of that dance. And then for the actual ceremony, my dad, I think my mom was there, so maybe it was just my dad. Um, but I went and I like dressed up and everything. And so like the gown, you had everything. No, no gown, no gown, no gown. (laughs) I just had like, you know, a cute dress. And then when they were like, they forgot to take my name off of the people that were graduating (laughs) with honors. And so when they read that part, like all the graduates were like sitting in their gowns in the front and they were like, okay, and now we're going to name the names of everyone who's graduating with honors. And they named my name. So I stood up out in the audience oh and I did like a, a beauty pageant wave to everyone. And did everyone, I'm guessing everyone went wild yeah. and cheered for you. That's almost even better. I mean, you made the, I'm, you made the best of a like weird situation. Like I could totally see teachers who, you know, maybe there's that one teacher who's like, has it out for you. Who'd be annoyed. And it's like, Oh, like look at her acting out. But it's like, well, what do you want her to do? Be fucking sad. Like, that is what it felt like it was like dude i'm 14 what do you want her to do like i guess in their mind they want you to stop acting out but clearly you your goal wasn't to annoy them like clearly you were trying to address your own needs and the best you could do was to like ask for help and when they kicked you out you're like well i refuse to be just sad so i guess i'll make the most best of the situation by showing up and supporting my friends and yeah i think that people can learn a lot from that and then my dad, I do remember, gave me an ungraduation gift. He Aww. gave me two Kurt Vonnegut novels. And Aww. that was the first time I read Kurt Vonnegut. Oh, that's that really nice. A very appropriate ungraduation gift. That is. Uh, it sounds like that you, your dad was really supportive through that, which I think ultimately is, like, very, very, like, good. Because that's, you know, I think when children, especially, like, we think we're so old in middle and high school, but we are just children, so... Things we do are ways to, to, like, ask for, like, resources, basically, you know, whether you realize it or not. So it's really nice that even though, you know, your dad couldn't go to school and make you graduate, he probably saw that um, you, you know, you were a good kid and wanted to reward you. Yeah, and I think he just knew that I wasn't, like, I've always known I wasn't going to be going down a traditional path in life. So I think that was part of it, too, is, like, it took the pre- – I've always known I didn't want, like, a regular life or a regular job. So I think I always saw everything as kind of a joke. It was, like – What do your parents do? My mom is a retired teacher. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm drawing some connections here. Interesting. And again, I worked in edu- I substitute taught for years and years. Um, and then my uh, my dad works as like a safety engineer for the oil company, so he does a lot of like 
flying out on helicopters to oil platforms and stuff like that. Oh, cool. Okay, I love yeah. that. That's so interesting that your mom's a teacher. Was she teaching at all at, while you were in, stu- in school, or was she retired? Um, this was no. She that would have been like around when she started teaching because she started teaching after her and my dad got divorced. Gotcha. Were you guys like, um, ever mom. at the same school or? Like, was no, she ever a teacher at your school? first grade teacher. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Aw. I like how you've, like, taken – I really like this narrative of, like, at first it sounds like, you know, on paper where, like, you're getting suspension, you can't graduate. It's, like, what pe- parents might be like, oh, the bad kid. But then when you actually break it down, it's like, I don't know, I prefer my kid to look up to you than someone who's just following rules, not asking questions. You know what I mean? Like, you're actually actively making choices and following through with your personality, which I think is a stronger lesson, you know, than just being like, do what you're told. Yeah, well, and like then coming from it, like from a teaching angle and like having worked with junior high kids, like I know that, um, like there, that is the age kids kind of display that sort of, like if you have a strong personality, it shows up when you're that age. Yeah, that's true. Were you ever involved in anything dangerous, like stunts that got out of hand where you were scared? In junior high, no. Um, I was a little bit of like a pyromaniac. Oh, okay. <laughs> so... <laughs> Burn the lead. <laughs> I think this was like my freshman year of high school. Uh, it was. I had a couple other friends, and like we really liked playing with fire. Like it, this was like the year before we started smoking pot. So okay. I think we just needed something to do. Um, and. Uh, a lot of days after school, we would just, like, take a stack of newspapers and light them on fire. Whoa. And it was really fun. Uh, but one time, we were, <laughs> we were at the park lighting shit on fire. And, again, this is, like, you know when people are, like, oh, my God, I'm so glad I didn't have TikTok when I was young. Like, I this is yes. what we were doing instead. We were lighting shit on fire. You know? Oh, my God. Wow. True. I think TikTok would have saved your teachers and yourself a lot of headaches because you would have gotten that validation from the internet. Strangers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> also could have been dangerous, okay? I don't want to discount <laughs> the worries people have. Uh, but, you know, damn. Like, we, yeah, wow. The things we had to entertain ourselves with. Um, that's, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I mean, I was, there's really not much more to say about the pyromaniac thing. Well, I'm glad you didn't get hurt. Um, <laughs> no, but the last time I played with fire, the fire did get too big and it was really <gasps> scary. Yeah. Like it, it, it was kind of a windy day and like the fire just kind of ballooned into like a bigger thing. And my friends and I, we were able to like eventually get it out, but there was like a few seconds where it was like, oh fuck, we're going to light this park on fire. Like it's going to catch. Oh yeah. Cause once it catches, right. And you don't have extinguishers. Yeah. And then was that the end of all that? Or you're like, we got to do one more to make sure. No, that was the end of that. But it was was a good run. (laughs) That's good. I feel like that's true learning because it's like, you know, when people talk about rock bottoms, it's like, as long as you're learning as you go, it's one thing if you do that and then go, and now I must do that again. Like then then you're on a pattern to destruction. But um, that wasn't the case. Well, I'm glad that you made it through and that you are so sure of yourself. I think that there's a lot I think people can glean from that. I don't think I have any junior high listeners, but I do know I have, you know, I have a lot of folks who um, are off the beaten path and definitely had to find their own way. So I think it'll be very inspiring. Um, I want to end with a quick game. And this is, okay, so this is one I've done on this show before. Uh, It's called Thesaurus Lyrics, but this is the Britney edition. Very simple, silly game. I take lyrics from an artist, and um, I look up, like, synonyms for words, and then 
basically read you like an alternate al- altered version of the lyric and you have to guess what song it is okay okay and I feel like being such a big Britney fan, these should be easy, but sometimes <laughs> I surprise myself and make them too hard. So let's see. Okay, here's the first one. Okay, this is the altered lyric. Intermittently, I canter. Intermittently, I camouflage. Intermittently, I'm aghast at you. However, all I absolutely fancy is to clench you tense. Sometimes I run, sometimes I hide, but all I really want is to hold you tight. Yes, you got it. Boom. Okay. Here is the next one. Um, Okay. I don't identify as a lassie, yet so far, I'm not a matron. All I demand is duration, a jiffy that is belonging to me, during which I'm halfway. Um, I'm not a girl, I'm not yet a woman. (laughs) Crushing it, yep. Okay, here's the final one. I feel like this one uh, is one of my favorites, but uh, it's a little more of like a random Britney song. Okay. I have access to that bang clap that you covet, observing me from dusk to dawn. I don't presume you should bide your time. 60 seconds might be too drawn out. I don't know. You might have stumped me. I don't... I'll, um, I'll give you a hint. There are, uh, is a feature on this song, uh, and they are and twins. No, good Uh-oh. guess, though. I don't know if they're really twins. They're the yin-yang twins. Oh, my God. Maybe you don't know this. Well, oh, you might know this one. It's a, it's, it's a little older. Um, do you, do you give up? Should I say it? I give up. Okay. okay. It's, I got that boom boom. Ah. I got that boom boom that yeah. you want watching me on that long. Um, you know that one. Yeah. I don't know. Why I like that one so much. I just love how they go. Ah, shot it. I'm gonna go to the club and get crunk with Britney. I think it was like a time when Britney was transitioning from just pop princess to like like more like adult and then just hearing her with the yin yang twins just uh, as i said i looked grinding a lot and you know yin yang twins that was my era so i was like great yes. song to grind on i think that, is that on in the zone i think it is right? um i think so yeah 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 because yeah. that's the same one as showdown that was a kind of like raunchy album with there's like um what's the yeah the maybe it was showdown and then touch of my hand i was like whoa okay Brittany, uh, go off <laughs> Exactly, exactly. Yeah, a good time. Yeah. yeah. That was like, you know, when I was discovering, but in an innocent enough way. Like, it didn't feel like, it was like just the right timing of like, let a girl discover her body on her own terms. So, shout out to Brittany. Thanks, Thanks Britt. Um, well, thank you so much for doing this pod. Um, let the listeners know where to find and follow you. Um, yeah, plug all the things. Sorry, I said that so yeah. weird, but. You can find me at Testify Barker. That's Twitter and Instagram. And then Toxic, the Britney Spears story. You can find all our socials at, at Britney's Graham. And our other comedy podcast is Lady to Lady. Yeah, so good. Check out Toxic. Um, I've listened to all of the episodes already. It's very informative. And you guys get some really great guests um, across the board. Britney people and like lawyers and experts. And this you. podcast, you can follow at Tell Me Anything Pod. You can follow me at Teresa Lee Bot. And that's it. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to You Can Tell Me Anything. You Can Tell Me Anything is a comedic podcast created and produced by Teresa Lee on the Hoo Ha Ha Podcast Network. The Hoo Ha Ha team is Ashley McAtee, Audrey Povar, Maggie Ruth Austin, Cardi Assad, and Stephanie Binot. The theme song for this podcast was created by Cody Johnston. The outro music was written by Shipwreck Sailor. 
and the Hoo Ha Ha app can be found in the Apple Store to stream your favorite comedy series and laugh out loud podcasts by the funniest woman in comedy. To contact this podcast specifically, you can email tellmeanythingpod at gmail.com and follow us on Instagram at tellmeanythingpod. Thank you.